A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello listeners and welcome to this World Game Changes podcast episode where I'm delighted to say I'm joined by two Americans. One from St. Louis, a gentleman by the name of Ken Seller. Ken, a very warm welcome to you, sir, as a first-time guest. Well, Paul, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be part of the uh, program here with World Game Changers and uh, looking forward to our conversation. And listeners, certainly somebody that... Um, Whatever description we apply, uh, the terminology first-time guest would be very, very far off the mark. Kristen Johnson from California, a World Game Changers director. Kristen, a very warm welcome to you as well. Thank you very much. It's been it's another exciting installment of Blessed Beyond Belief. It is indeed, and around the topic of values. And more specifically, what we thought we'd talk about is the value of values. And Kristen's going to lead the charge on this and speak with Ken about it. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. There's no two ways about that. And I'll just, which is going to be very challenging for me, but I'm just going to sit in the background and chirp in every now and again. Because as you know, listeners, I do like to lead from the front somewhat. But um, yeah, Kristen's going to, uh, she's going to steer the ship, so to speak. Kristen, without further ado, uh, it's over to you. Well, thank you. And Ken, it's a pleasure to get to know you. And we were talking before the this podcast started about the Edward Jones ads, because you are work with Edward Jones. And I can't be help but be struck by those ads about how they portray a certain value in terms of what how your company values customers, their comfort, their security, if you will, with with financial decisions that are very challenging, especially in today's market with so much information uh, bombarding us. It's just nice to know that they have some direction to steer the ship, if you will. So why don't you talk a little bit about the value of values in what you do in in the financial sector? Yeah, you bet. Uh, Thank you, Kristen. Uh, You know, I I think what's unique about um, the, the contribution that we seek to make in the lives of our clients is that it's really uh, more of a, um, uh, relationship. And it's really a relationship that's about partnering together uh, to have an impact, uh, to help people to achieve their goals, what's most important to them. Um, and, you know, that comes along with a lot of uh, deep discovery, um, a lot of really understanding people and what's um, what's important to them. Uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, when we're talking to someone uh, about their future, it's not something they've spent, um, you know, a whole lot of time discussing with anyone ever. And so there's, there is quite a journey there uh, for people to be thinking about and reflecting on their life, um, thinking about what's, uh, what's in their future. 
Um, but oftentimes it comes down to some very common themes. People are very focused on their family. They're very focused on their health. Uh, they're very focused on uh, really having a life that helps them to achieve their purpose um, and to, to live out that purpose. And uh, the fourth thing is then having the financial resources to, to make the first three happen, <laughs> to have a, a good family relationship, to, to live a healthy life and have a sense of purpose. So that's a, that's a lot about what we do. Um, and, uh, and, and we do it throughout North America. Uh, and it's a privilege to serve. I love what you say about first of all, the privilege and the purpose and also the relationship. Those are the things that really, um, those are certainly values, the the purpose and the relationships, because I think relationships and connection and that trust is definitely a value, being able to, being able to connect with someone. So what do you, how do you approach that in terms of personally, when in your work. I mean, it's obviously, it's a kind of a company culture, right? But how do you embody that value? What does that look like for you day to day when you're with clients? You know, I, maybe I'll apply that to just myself as a, as a business person and all the different stakeholders that I uh, get the opportunity to work with. Um, and, and also just as an individual and all the people uh, that I work with, um, you know, in, in my life. Um, what I strive to do uh, is to meet people where they're at and try to understand their perspective, um, try to be open and curious, um, committed to learning um, always. Uh, so uh, that's that's one way uh, that I try to show up. Um, you know, I, I'm always working on being a better listener uh, to, to understand where people are coming from. Um, I'm, I'm glad we're not interviewing my family today because they, they share a lot of stories with you about uh, where that doesn't work so well. Uh, so I want people to hear uh, that it's, it's, you know, a continuous learning journey. It's not a place where I've arrived. I think for most people, they would probably feel that way. Um, but when you do listen deeply, when you do have compassion for others um, and you have flexibility in your belief system, um, that uh, allows you to anchor to what's most important, but then to be open to new perspectives. Um, I think that serves, uh, that serves people well. It ser has certainly served me well. Um, the other thing that I would just say is that uh, I try to start every day uh, with a sense of gratitude for all the things that are um, uh, in my life uh, that are intentionally there and I'm, I'm blessed to have in my life. So um, those are the things that that really drive me um, to then go out and do the kinds of things that, um, you know, I, I feel called to do. Wonderful. And talk a little bit about listening, because I feel like even though it's technically not a value, I think listening is a value. Paying that attention. I, I forget who it was, but it might have been Diane Sawyer, so don't quote me. But anyway, she said that I think there is no substitute for paying attention and to give somebody your full attention, especially in a world of distractions? Do you feel like that's a value that we can give to each other? No matter if you're standing in line at the grocery store or, or if you're conducting a huge business transaction, or like you said, with your family, and we all fall short where, where that's concerned. But the, the important thing is that you try. 
Yeah. Um, well, I would say <laughs> with listening, um, uh, human beings by nature of, of you know, being uh, the day that we were born uh, from our mother's womb, we're very dependent. Um, <laughs> and so uh, when it comes to listening, uh, the first thing that I, I think that uh, I always have to remind myself is to accept my selfish nature as a human being. Uh, and then to really uh, understand that, um, you know, it, listening is really about respect for the other person um, and uh, really having a sense of, um, I'll, I'll say, appreciation for, you know, really wanting to understand them. Uh, because it's just not human nature to want to do that. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot easier to share what's on your mind than it is to truly uh, understand someone else. So that value, I think, has um, that value of uh, respect and uh, listening to, to others um, goes a long distance. I think about it this way. The best conversations I've ever had with people are often when um, uh, they ask me really good questions uh, and I left that conversation with a sense of, wow, you know, that person really uh, engaged me in a way to express some things. I even, you know, learned a little bit um, in what I shared with that person uh, based on the, the kinds of questions that they asked. So oftentimes uh, it does come down to asking good questions um, and, and doing that from a place of sincerity um, and really wanting to learn about that person. Absolutely. Ab absolutely. And sometimes people are, I guess, afraid to ask questions. But in World Game Changers, we talked about a previous podcast about taboo subjects and things like that. And, and oh, I can't ask that. Oh, I can't express that. Oh, I can't do that. But I think that sometimes we're, we're empathetic toward other people. We don't want to sort of cross barriers and maybe Paul will challenge me on this, but, but uh, and because there's a flying line between uh, meeting people where they're comfortable and, and asking some questions that maybe we're afraid will, will be too personal, but you know what, at the end of the day, people probably have a choice to respond or, or not respond. And sometimes it's just about curiosity. It's not, intend like you said it's intended to find out more information it's not intended to um offend anyone absolutely yeah great perspective Kristen. can i come in at this stage uh, uh, it's been fascinating to to listen to you so far with this uh you know this exchange of thoughts and views then i want to ask you if i may around you know when we talk about values how we have personal values how we have business values and there's there's an old saying isn't there? there's a cliche that goes along the lines of how we do one thing is how we do everything now i personally don't agree with that i think there can be a a commonality of how we do one thing uh maybe even pushing it to say is how we do most things uh even that i think could be a bit contentious but either way I put that in the context of we have our personal values, we have our business values, um, you know, and, and I ask you from a generic point of view first and then a more personal point of view. What do you think about that, Ken? Do you think our personal values really do need to be aligned with our business values or not um, generically and then personally for you? 
Well, you know, I, it's it's such a good question, and I, I think the uh, um, society today is wrestling with that question, Paul, um, because at, uh, at 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 the very basic level, um, you know, I, I think people have to have uh, a good sense of what their purpose and value system looks like in order to be at their best. And, um, and so that's a learning journey for all of us. Um, you know, I, I happen to be employed by an organization that promotes that and, and really um, provides um, even resources to help uh, the people that work there uh, that uh, to really go on that discovery journey of uh, what their purpose is and their value system. Um, when that uh, foundation is there, um, what I think uh, often happens uh, for people, and uh, I know this has happened for me specifically, is that uh, you can then start to align your value system uh, and look for the commonalities uh, in, in your um, uh, advocation, if, uh, your, your vocation, if you will. Uh, so, uh, so oftentimes then uh, an employer's values are, you know, very visible uh, to, the, to the, the folks that work there. And, um, and, it, and it really allows an individual then to say, hey, here's what's important to me. How does that mesh with the organization that I represent? And I think when you look at long-term employment and the ability to make uh, an outsized contribution or, you know, from an employer's perspective, uh, when we look at, um, you know, as employers look at people who really give that discretionary effort, it's often around alignment between purpose and values and how that really comes together um, to, you know, creative environment where, um, you know, someone feels like they can bring themselves to work fully every day and, and really be representative uh, in that company's culture um, and that what they bring to the table is highly valued um, and respected within, um, you know, the, the way that that organization conducts itself. Um, so I think it's, uh, I guess, in summary, there, you know, um, to have true career satisfaction, um, my advice for folks is to go on that journey, that self-discovery journey um, around alignment between your own values and, and that of the, uh, the organization you work for. Mm. On that thread then, uh, Ken, I mean, what, what are, if I was to say to you, give us your top five personal values what, you know, in life, are they, are they kind of fixed? Are they constant? Have they stood the test of time? Or is that transient? You know, do our values fluctuate depending on um, even what mood we're in? I mean, that might sound a bit kind of flippant. Well, how can you change your values because of your mood? But as humans, and I'm bringing in the vulnerability element now that, you know, that, that we are as humans, as a species, um, but we kind of tend not to want to admit that too much, I think, as a collective. Yeah, you know, though, for me, um, my experience has been that um, life is one continuous learning journey. And so um, I'm not sure my value system, I, I wouldn't describe it as highly fluid. Um, but as that learning journey continues to unfold, there are certainly uh, places of discovery and, uh, and realignment. Um, and uh, I think that's part of the flexibility I was trying to talk about earlier is to being, you know, to have a value system that's anchored, but then to be uh, flexible to uh, learning. And, um, 
uh, you know, it goes back to the saying that um, the more you know, the more you learn that you don't know, uh, because this world is so big, right? <laughs> and so when you're on that continuous learning journey, I think it is fluid. So for me, um, you know, right at the top of the list is, is spirituality. Um, my faith is my anchor. Um, and, uh, and I think so from a values perspective, that shapes uh, most every um, thing I commit to, decision that I make, the way that I show up. Um, is is mostly um, you know uh, shaped by my my faith um, and as a Christian you know I, I try to live out a Christian value system and uh, and so you know you would you, you could probably look to the fruit of the spirit um, peace love kindness honesty integrity you know I, there there are a lot of things that I strive to do in that that way um, but I you know so if I move beyond uh, some of some of that, I would say another, uh, th these would be, you know, less traditional values. Um, but one would be, um, work hard and play hard. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'm a big believer in having hobbies, uh, that, that you, uh, that you love and to explore those. Um, uh, so, you know, if you put together this lifelong learning with faith, uh, working hard, playing hard, um, the, you know, the other one uh, that I'll mention is, um, just really uh, loyalty um, to um, family, friends, and um, and really my work colleagues. Uh, so if you look at my life, um, I, I think you'd see a lot of consistency um, with uh, the way that uh, that has unfolded. So uh, so those are the things that primarily come to mind. Um, but dr drill down for me, Paul. Where else do you want to take me on that? Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I love it when people come back and sort of say, yeah, um, let's take this to another degree. Um, I think it's just such a fascinating and deep topic, really, Ken. And it's interesting. What's really um, fascinating about this is the faith element, because, um, you know, faith, I think, is and I'm going to yet again, I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate is something that I think can be quite convenient for people at times. And I know that, and, and my apologies, um, you know, whether it's a listener on this podcast or, or a reader in the Blessed Beyond Belief book, for coming across even slightly judgmental on that. It's quite, that's quite an assumptive stroke judgmental statement. But I make it deliberately because from my many colourful and diverse life experiences, I've found people... Um, to use faith as a kind of get out of jail card and not uphold the values because it's easier just to kind of cling to a label of I am a man or a person of, you know, X faith or Y faith or Z or, you know, or whatever it may be. Well, OK, that that's as may be. But real, surely the real litmus test, Ken, for us is how we actually live our lives, how we practice those values, not what how we kind of might put them out there on a on a superficial level. So when I hear that F word faith, it fascinates me because I think there's that natural for people that do practice their faith within, you know, the confines of being human and and vulnerable and and all those things that uh, make that rich myriad of a human being. Um but to really kind of home in on, well, what are my deep rooted values 
um, from a faith point of view. And the faith element for me is, well, when things are not going, you know, the way we want, are we really going to compromise our values? Because it's easy. Oh, well, you know, I like that value, but only when it suits. But that's when faith comes in to say, no, I'm going to be steadfast and I'm going to hold that true. I kind of went to lick a bit around the houses on that. I've got a bit wordy and a bit stuck on that. Hopefully you took my point there, Ken. Yeah, yeah, I do, Paul. Uh, I understand it. And uh, it reminds me of um, a pastor that it, um, uh, I, I uh, had for a number of years. One of his favorite sayings was, more is caught than taught. And so I think his basic principle there was, um, you can say a lot of things. You can say, I'm a person of faith. You can say whatever. But, you know, people will really um, see that, should really see that by your actions. So more is caught by the actions that you have than what you say, actually. So, um, and uh, and I think we can all resonate with that um, when we think um, about different experiences in our life. Um, so one of my experiences being a parent, and I can say with my kids, um, it has been absolutely true. Um, I can say a lot of things to my kids, but what they really pay attention to is to what I do. And, uh, and so, uh, so I, now I want to juxtapose that with, you know, you can be a person of faith and have good intentions, but we are all fallen human beings. And so, um, so, you know, there's one thing for sure. We will fail. We will not live up to, um, you know, uh, any element of perfection. Uh, perfection is a trap. Um, so I, I don't hear you suggesting that, but, um, you know, rather I, I think it's the quest for, um, uh, living a life of values and a life of, uh, purpose, uh, and to make meaningful progress, uh, and, and to see yourself as on that journey and, uh, to see yourself as really, um, you know, uh, living it out versus just talking about it, um, in your actions. And, um, and I think that's where, uh, when people are moved, uh, when I've been moved, uh, it's been through mentors or people in my life who have demonstrated to me, you know, through their actions, uh, what they stand for. And the, that I find myself often trying to emulate that more than anything else in, in my own learning journey. So, um, yeah, so I went all the way back around the other side of the bush there for you, Paul. <laughs> brilliant Kristen I'm very mindful of you sitting patiently in the wings there um if you can just bear with me for another moment or two and I'll just put this question to you uh, to you Ken and Kristen it's one that you've heard me say many times before and it fascinates me um and, and I think the originator is Tony Robbins but it goes something along the lines of people will compromise their values to meet their needs which Yet again, from a human perspective, OK, uh, with our fallibility and, you know, everything that goes with it and our vulnerabilities keep alluding to that. That's as may be. But are they really values then, Ken, if we kind of, you know, I'm going to use I'm going to use quite challenging language and say fall at the first hurdle. And oh, yet again, because it's not convenient. I only really want that value when it suits or when the sun's shining and it's metaphorically raining today. It's a really hard day. I feel under the weather and I don't want that value today because I've got a far greater need that must be met. Any thoughts, Ken, on that relationship between needs and values? 
Well, you know, Paul, I, I, as I hear you, I think you're explaining the human condition um, and, and the struggle for uh, living a life of um, purpose and, uh, and, and one that has integrity um, and, and values in it. Um, I, I would say that most human beings would say that, that that is what they would like to do. Um, and yet, um, because we are imperfect and, um, and, and unable to really, you know, do that with, per, with consistency in every moment, uh, we do fail, you know, and, and because, and it goes right back to what I was saying earlier, uh, my view is uh, that can be explained uh, through nature and that we were all uh, born uh, dependent on uh, someone else and uh, selfish in that way. And so, um, you know, I'm sure you could look at figures like Mother Teresa um, and, and say it's, it is possible to live a, um, a very purpose-driven life that uh, uh, has truly, you know, been a role model for um, putting in the lives of others first. Um, uh, and so I think that's, uh, that, that puts out for, therefore, us a target that we can all uh, be inspired by. There's many others. I don't, I don't mean to center on Mother Teresa, but um, you, you, can, you can get my point there. Um, so yes, I my my answer to your question is uh, you still have a value system even if they are compromised uh, because of your your human limitations. Mm. So maybe on on that kind of value that uh, every single human being, uh, very mindful of using the should word huh, here, but should have is self acceptance to say it's okay for me actually not to uh to be perfect because as you quite rightly say in my humble opinion ken that word perfection is a trap and it certainly trapped me a lot in my life in my younger days and sent me down a lot of dark rabbit holes in pursuit of that um so anyway i'm going to kind of introduce uh an old british judicial term um no further questions my lord <laughs> well i love the way you're ending because um it is self-acceptance. It's also self-reflection. Um, uh, and, and might I say that, you know, in order to accept yourself, um, you know, one of the skills that requires is the ability to actually reflect on your life and who you are and, and what that looks like and, um, and, and recognizing yourself, your strengths, as well as your, uh, your, your challenges and your, your opportunities to be uh, a better person. So uh, really, really brilliant. Thank you. Kristen, back over to you, Mom. Well, I love what you say, and also we're um, more we're all about awareness. That's one of our big values here at World Game Changers. We're all about awareness, self-awareness, awareness of everything. And one of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking about values, especially in terms of faith and Christian, is I think I forget where it comes from in the Bible, but it goes something like, "He who has two clothes, cloaks." let him give one to those who have none. And that speaks to the value of charity and, um, and generosity. But what if, what if you just can't do that for whatever, whatever reason you want to be generous, but you just can't do that circumstance, financial, whatever. And, and then, but just wanting to do, maybe wanting to do that is part of the, part of the value. And you're just not in a position to do that, but, you can work, for example, with a financial advisor like you to get into that uh, space where you can 
be able to give, give generously, because I think generosity, uh, uh, Americans are very generous people. We have generous people around the world. Uh, charity and giving to others and being able to uh, give back and also to provide uh, financially, provide jobs for people, provide everything for people um, in terms of enriching enriching their lives, giving them that opportunity is, is so important. That's a form of generosity too, creating that opportunities for the, those opportunities for them to succeed like your company does. But it occurs to me that generosity is something that we all have. It's a value, but for whatever reason, sometimes we're not in the right space to 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 practice that. But isn't it true that generosity is more than just financial? There's generosity of your time, and uh, you're being very humble about your family. But I'm sure that your family definitely appreciates the value of your time and having you and in their life, just from the limited conversation that we've had relatively, I can tell that you're a very special person. And, and I'm sure your family appreciates you having that, having you in their lives. So I think that generosity is definitely one of those values. And one of those generous, one of those generous moments is speaking out for others like you do with the Alzheimer's walk. Talk a little bit about the contributions that you make in the community, because that's a big deal here for us at World Game Changers. Yeah, you bet, Kristen. Um, thank you for the kind words there. I, I appreciate that. Um, and I, I do agree with you. In fact, I have a, a good friend who um, has created an uh, entire um, business model out of um, giving generously and living a generous life. And um, his principle is that there are seven ways to give generously. And, um, you know, to your point, it's not just money uh, or your belongings, but uh, you can give of your time, um, of your thoughts, your words, your attention, your ability to influence. Um, and, and so there's lots of different ways uh, that you can live a generous life. And, uh, you know, and I, I think for, uh, human beings, if we all examine it, we're, you know, we're doing many of those things. And, and so, um, you know, I think that's really, really important. Um, but let me try to answer your question. I, I, um, I, I do volunteer in the community uh, and give back in different ways uh, with that, um, you know, um, uh, way of living generously. I, I don't know that um, I've, I really approached it from that as much as I did um, about a sense of paying back. Um, and, and so when I think about um, my up, upbringing, um, I, I lived a very good life, had great parents who, uh, who I could count on. Um, and I had to work hard for everything I had, um, you know, after, after high school. Uh, my parents were able to help me with college, but not completely. Uh, so I had, uh, had to, you know, find a way to make that all work. And, uh, you know, I, I had the great fortune of uh, going to the University of Missouri in St. Louis, as well as eventually then Washington University, uh, finding, you know, my employer that I spent my entire career with at Edward Jones. Um, and when I think about all the people that my life has intersected with, um, you know, and, and really the city that I'm from, the city of St. Louis, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of um, pride and wanting to give back uh, that that's there. And, 
uh, and having uh, the ability to have an impact for other families that are, um, you know, uh, are out there. And so uh, Alzheimer's is the one that you mentioned. Uh, Alzheimer's is very important um, uh, to many families who are either uh, have, have a family member who is suffering from Alzheimer's uh, or many times, uh, you know, the other uh, highly impacted group of people with Alzheimer's are the caregivers and the people who take care of individuals with Alzheimer's. Uh, it happens to be something that's uh, affected, uh, you know, many, many families uh, uh, in, in your, in, as you examine your, your sphere of influence, uh, it, it's been, it's affected many families that I'm intersected with. Um, it also happens to be, um, you know, one of those things that, um, robs people of their, their health, uh, and eventually their wealth because it's very costly, um, uh, yeah. to support someone with Alzheimer's. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it is an epidemic. Um, and you know, the good news is, uh, we have brilliant people that are doing research uh, and, and working to find a cure for Alzheimer's. Uh, and hopefully in my lifetime, that'll happen. Interestingly, you know who the group with the lowest incidence of Alzheimer's and in dementia? Nuns. Wow, that's fascinating. I bet we could dig into that one. and Look up the nun study. It's fascinating because they're always studying. They're always... Uh, learning the famous nun study it's um it's quite famous it's it's interesting but there are so many things that you can do in terms of alzheimer's and the and the value of having that loved one and their their mental and physical health is just about priceless but there are so many things that you can do there are new therapies and things like that that they're introducing uh exercise diet things like that there are so many things to be able to before you get to that stage and trying to take care of trying to take care of yourself and make sure that we're, they're very active. There was, um, there was that movie still Alice that starred uh, Julianne Moore a few years ago where she tried to, she got diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's and she uh, used, I think it was words with friends, the app to try to boost her, her mental power. So there's so many things you can do with Alzheimer's. And I didn't mean to go right down this rabbit hole, but there's just so many, the value of caring and the value of supporting someone when they're struggling like that is, um, and you're right, it takes a toll a lot on the caregivers, but um, it's, um, it's so worth it. That's one of the values sticking with someone and it's not easy. Well, thank you for, I can tell you're passionate about it, Kristen, and, um, you know, a great, a great cause um, and, and an important um, place for anybody who wants to focus or has an interest there to dive in because they need volunteers and help. As we start to come towards a close now, um, I want to ask a big question. Start with you, Kristen, if I may. If there's one value, and I know that is a big just by saying one value, because, you know, I'm sure we've got, I mean, I've, you know, in my own life, and my values do become transient, but there are a core of five and they are resolutely embedded within me. If somebody had to say to me of those five, and I'll tell you what those five are life, learning, loving, <laughs> loyalty, and legacy. They're my five L's and my values. 
And if somebody had to ask me to pick one, and that's really what I'm asking you to do, Kristen, if there is one value, only one, that you would choose that you feel would make the greatest impact in the world if we all chose that same value, whatever that may be. Kristen, what would that be for you, that one big value? I think the same as yours, love, if I'm not mistaken, followed very closely by learning because to me, love and learning go hand in hand. Mm. Very succinct. What, what I love about this is, is when, you know, it, for me, that was a big, big question. And it's interesting sometimes, oftentimes where people can nail it in without going into chapter and verse, but they can nail it in a few seconds because they're so focused on, on they know deep inside themselves what that is. So I really appreciate that, Kristen. Same scenario to you, really, Ken. What's the one big thing, the one big value for you personally? There was a there was a, a British, well, it was Welsh, uh, British tenor singer, Sir Harry Seacombe. And he's he was famed for, was it the 60s, that iconic record, If I Ruled the World. Um, Ken, if you ruled the world, what would be the number one value that you would instill across the world that would change it for the better? Well, I wish I had a different answer for you, Paul, but mine is also love. So, um, you know, I, I just believe that, uh, um, you know, there's actually science behind it. Uh, and if you live a life of gratitude um, and happiness and you can um, instill that, you know, through, you know, your actions and, and, you know, loving someone um, by first loving yourself, uh, you know, then the world would be a better place. But there, there is science behind that. If you start your every day, your day with gratitude and a sense of um, appreciation that your brain kind of rewires to think that way. Um, and just imagine a world where everyone began with love. Mm. Well, not to book the trend and be outnumbered, uh, but I am going to go, and, and Kristen, you know it, me extremely well, extremely well. But on this occasion, um, just, I mean, you're right in your answer, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say, actually, love is not my greatest value. Life is my greatest value, because without life, there is no love. And, yeah. you know, when I kind of, um, and I'll share for the purpose of this because I, you know, well, I, I feel it's worth sharing. No other reason. But so we look at the five L's. The first one for me, the foundational one, the big one is the gift of life in its most precious forms and diverse forms, whatever that fauna, flora, human, whatever that may be. And so we've got this gift of life. Well, what are we going to do with it? We go on a voyage of discovery, of self-discovery. In other words, we go on a voyage of learning. But learning about what? What do we learn about? There's many things. But this is where it really does speak to what you two guys have said. Learning about love, particularly self-love. Our love of faith, of source, of God, spirit. Call it what you will, the universe. That's the fuel that sustains us. And with that okay so we've got this gift of life we've been on this journey of discovery uh, of, of self-enhancement self-improvement uh, and that's brought us to a place of loving and acceptance what do we do with that 
we pass that lessons those lessons on to create and leave a legacy so the world becomes a better place and finally and last but not least um is okay so through all that process is the loyalty element to thine own self be true so yeah. they're my five values which incidentally kind of speaks ken to the question i asked you earlier on about personal values and corporate values because they're also the values of world game changes not because paul says so because you know we've got an amazing group of people you know some of them uh, personally ken and um you know we 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 as a collective have decided this is what we want to stand for and um yeah, so I just close out with that. Any concluding remarks, Kristen, Ken? Anything at all, really? Um, you know, I'll just say thank you for this opportunity, Paul. And most importantly, thank you to you and Kristen for the work you're doing with World Game Changers. I um, I believe that what you're up to is important. Um, it's going to be a, a, a big impact. Uh, I, I know through the people that are involved, that uh, there is a difference being made in people's lives uh, because of what you're doing. And uh, I'm excited about this next chapter is, uh, as you've really embraced the digital world and uh, we'll find engagement systems that, uh, that really uh, allow more people to connect virtually um, as, we, uh, as we continue to see your work unfold. So thanks again for the opportunity. Thank you, Ken. Kristen? Well, I want to thank Ken for being here today. I liked what you had to say about the youth mental health of Gen Z. I think that's a major crisis, and I don't think that we've um, that we've seen the the end of that yet. So, but I think that there's so much good in the world and trying to help mental health and all that, and also teaching financial literacy in the schools. We were talking a little bit about that before the podcast, and I, I think that's. Another big value, creating, uh, helping our kids create the life that they want and being able to plan for plan for the future, to have that life. So thank you, Ken, for the work that you're doing with your community, with your family, with uh, Edward Jones, and thank you for being part of this podcast. You bet. Glad to be part of it. Thank you all. So there we have it, whether you're listening on a, a podcast, in which case I'd say listeners, or reading it in the Blessed Beyond Belief book, in which case I'd say readers. I just want to say thank you so much, and I really do mean that as well, um, because this fascinating topic of values, and, and let's really reinforce this this values theme as, as we come to a close. You know, we normally close out with the, or I do, with this um this this adage and that adage that I'll recite in a moment, I think it's got a certain value to it. But do you know what, readers, listeners, you decide. You decide what it means to you. And those immortal words, as you know, maybe that's a bit self-flattering, those immortal words. Don't even know where that come from, but maybe it's because I'm deeply valuing and appreciating the words. And the words are this. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? <laughs>